Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 104. I'm Anita Helm. Before I start the teaching tonight, I wanted to remember the El Paso massacre and the fact that, that a lot of people are still grieving and in mourning for what happened that a year ago today, where 47 people lost their lives through racism and hatred by a man who was willing to drive 10 hours to come and to slaughter people just for who they were, their culture, their skin color. And I just wanted to remind you, if you haven't heard my husband's teaching yesterday, or in Sunday school, he taught us that God is no respecter of person. He doesn't have favoritism like we seem to have, where we could actually not love, appreciate, and care for people just because they're white, black, brown, yellow, whatever the, the skin tone. I'm looking at this beautiful bouquet of flowers from my birthday. And I can tell you that looking at the, the purples and the pinks and the reds and the whites and all the greenery, all of that blended together is beautiful. And that God has saw fit that all of us are here. All of the different tones of colors and people and cultures are here. That should tell you that when he says love one another, he means it. I also want to give our definite prayers of comfort to those who have lost loved ones every day, whether it's a phone call, a text message, something on Facebook, something on the media, something on the radio. We've heard of so many people in our lives that we know and don't know that are strangers who people are going through grief. And we just ask the Lord to be a comfort to each and every one of them. Tonight, as we talk about the topic of when silence breaks, you may wonder, who's being silent? Why are they being silent? Well, imagine this. If all of a sudden, somebody just stopped talking. And it went on for days and weeks and months and years. And if you're the person who regularly hears from them, or the person that's used to having that conversation and communication, you would wonder what's going on? What's happened? Why is, why is there this distance? Why can't I have that back and forth communication? Well, there are times where we have to recognize that with God, you know, Milkshake Monday is about us learning. So there's two big words that some of you may know and some of you may not know. And one of them is called omniscient, that God is an all-knowing God. Everything that this world is going through your journey, my journey, every stranger's journey all over this globe, that God is aware of it all. He doesn't have to be in the United States to know what's happening in the continents of Africa or over in the Middle East or over in Europe or over in Asia. God is omniscient and knows, but he's also omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's not just in our part of the, the world and he's not in there. He's omniscient, all-knowing, and he's omnipresent. And because of that, there's an understanding that when he starts, he's always, he's everywhere. But when he has this communication with all of us, he uses it in the form of the Holy Spirit, which is a part of the, the Godhead. He uses it in the form of the Bible which are his holy scriptures. He uses it in the form of all of these different teachings that all of us are hearing on Facebook, Instagram, podcasts, all over. We're seeing all the mechanisms that God is using to share about his son and the glory of his son. But I'm going to share with you two stories tonight because 
there's a lot going on and there's more to come. I don't know that all of us are ready for it, understand it, but I think that we have to have an appreciation that for whatever is going on in this season of our life through the midst of this journey, that there's something to be learned from in the Bible. And I wanted two stories because I wanted to see you to see and I to see that there are times where God speaks and there are times where he's quiet about things, silent. And I would even say a pregnant pause. Have you ever seen that for a dramatic effect? Somebody will just stop talking and then they'll pause. And when they start to talk, there's a level of sensitivity and interest and listening because there has been that gap. So we're going to start in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Just at the stage, you have King David and things are going well with David. He's not at war. And he's got in his mind he wants to do something. In this first scenario of when God breaks silence, when the silence is broken, I want you to understand in this story that God, because he's omniscient, all-knowing, and he's omnipresent, he's always everywhere, he's always aware of what's going on in your life and my life. And even in the case of what we're going to talk about with King David, he sees and understands everything. Because you don't immediately have him intervene and say, hey, what you doing? Why are you doing that? I don't think that's right. Don't think that it's, he's not aware of everything that's going on. So let's start, start in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rests from all of his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. I want you to think about something, because I want to make this plain. Milkshake money is supposed to break things down. David had in his heart and a plan for the next step of what he was going to do, he wanted to build the temple of the Lord. He thought that the ark shouldn't stay where it is when David is in a fine house. He wanted to build a structure for the Lord. And he decided that and he told the prophet. And the prophet said, okay, go do it. Go do all this in your heart. Like us, we have plans to marry, plans to get a job, plans to go to this travel, plans to do this, build this, all these plans that each and every one of us have day to day along our life's journey. It's not that God doesn't hear or understand or know the beginning, the middle and the end of what we have in our mind to do. But in this case, you didn't see God stop that conversation and say no or yes or great. He let it go on. He let it continue out of David's mouth because David was planning it. He was thinking it. And therefore he was telling his prophet, he's going to do it. But in the case of what happens next in verse four onward, you're going to see God breaks the silence of not saying anything about those plans. And there are times in our lives that we have plans that we conjure up, but God is going to intervene and let you know whether it's in his will and his divine plan for your life. 
and for my life, the plans that we have. In verse four, but it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? Verse six, for I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but I've moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? I think you need to pause. Hear what God is saying. David has a plan, but God is letting them know, I've commanded this. You all are my creatures. You are my people. What I want, I tell you. What I don't want, I tell you very plainly. You're in 2 Samuel. So you've seen everything in Genesis. You've seen Leviticus. You've seen Numbers, Deuteronomy. God has been full-fledged commanding everything he wants. And he comes back in this statement to say, "What?" I mean, he puts the... Why is basically trying to tell us, whom have I commanded? I didn't tell David to do that. That was on David's. That's David's plan. Did I command David to do that? But he comes back. But then after he does this, who have I commanded? He comes back to a story of telling the journey of David, who started out as a shepherd boy. And God has elevated him to now be king. But now David thinks he's going to put the plans of himself before what God's plans, divine plans are. He didn't consult the Lord and say, hey, Lord, do you want me? He said, this is what I'm going to do. And Nathan kind of, he stamped approval without even seeking God to see if this is what God wants to do. So God comes back and interrupts the night sleep of Nathan, his prophet, to get him straight so he can talk to the servant David to let them know, this is my plan. I'm the omniscient all-knowing one. I'm ever-present everywhere. I'm going to tell you what I plan to do and how I plan to do it. And so he goes back and you see verse 8. Now therefore thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep. Remember, we are the sheep. And God is the shepherd. So he's telling you, you were following sheep. But remember, I'm shepherd. My son is the shepherd. I'm the shepherd. But said, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people of Israel, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. Again, God is showing you he's in charge. He's the divine God almighty. Even as David is king, he's got good, good things in his heart. Just like a lot of us have good plans in our heart. We think we want to do these good things. But if you don't consult God, then when the silence breaks, God's going to correct. God is going to confirm what his desire, his divine will is. Verse 9 says, And have made you a great name, 
like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. He's going to make you a house. He's giving to tell him about the path of establishment that he's going to have for not just David, but David's lineage, that he's going to tell him now about the divine plan, not the earthly temporary plan that David's got in his mind, what he wants to do, where he wants to go. But God's going to set this straight to give understanding of a divine plan. And that's why I think some of us get so misled because we think we're smart from the education, from the internet, from all of these things. We forget that it's God. It's God who's almighty, not us as the creation. Verse 12 says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. See who's going to build it? It's not David. David has great intentions, but he's out of line with God and God's plan. He's saying, I'm going to establish your seed and it will be your seed who builds, not you. Verse 13 continued, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. And then you have this conversation of what God is telling David through the prophet Nathan, his plan. He's, he just struck out David's plan. And when he breaks the silence, he speaks truth. He speaks prophecy. He speaks of eternal things, not temporary things. David wanted to build a house, but he didn't understand what God was building a seed that would lead to the kingdom of God through his son. God sometimes and many times interrupts our plans. And when he breaks that silence, he breaks it so that we will listen and be attentive to his will and his way and not the temporary plans that we have. That's story one. Story two, oftentimes we have situations in the Bible all the time where you see people who are sick. You see a lot of people now who are going through the pandemic and they're sick. But in the Bible, you see many instances where there are sick people. Job was very sick and he kept questioning, where was God? Why was this happening? And God didn't answer Job in the time that he wanted. And how he answered him, at the end of it, he had to cover his mouth and say, oh my. And y'all need to read Job, but we're not going to Job tonight. But all those instances, the man at the pool of Bethesda, 38 long years waiting for someone to get him in the pool. So he can be healed. The woman with the 12 years with the issue of blood. 
the people who were lepers in a colony and meet Jesus and Jesus heals them. So many stories of people sick. And those of you who are going through sickness and disease and suffering, just like Paul said, he had a thorn in his flesh and the Lord said he wouldn't remove that thorn because he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. But when you're struggling and hurting and diseased and in pain, and you're calling out to God and you're crying out in prayer and you're interceding and those are interceding around you. And there's this silence. Some of you may say, oh, God's not answering. Is he paying attention? Does he care? All these kind of questions come because guess what? That's what Satan wants you to think. Is God really paying attention? They say he's omniscient, that he's all knowing. Doesn't he know I'm suffering? Doesn't know, I just can't take another diagnosis. I just can't take another anything right now. I've lost all my, my, my money. I'm living on a, on a mat. I'm begging for money because I'm paralyzed. All these things that you see in the Bible are happening. And even now with you being sick or poor or destitute and people are becoming at their wits end. And they wonder, is God in control? Does he know what's going on? Does he care? In this next story in John chapter 11, everyone has heard this story, but I, I, I've been compelled about it for months now because I think about it from the different perspectives. And the one that I think about most is the perspective, not of Mary and Martha, but of Lazarus. Lazarus was Jesus's friend. His sister says, the one you loved. And he was sick. He wasn't just sick with a head cold. He was sick to death. He was sick with something that was terminal, that was going to have a morbidity rate to say he was going to go die. They couldn't do nothing more for him, so he died. But what we're going to see when silence breaks is because there's a, a ton of silence that we don't go into here, but it's reality that Christ in John 11 hears about the sickness of his friend. And he doesn't just hear from the sickness from his friend from strangers. He hears it from two ladies that he's friends with them too. He's been at their house. You're going to see at the very beginning of chapter 11 that one of them anointed his feet. So there's a precious relationship there. There's a kinship there. So imagine when there's silence. I mean silence. When the brother, their brother that Jesus loves and is supposed to be friends, doesn't even respond to the letter, to the, the notice that, that Lazarus is in trouble. Can y'all imagine that? I mean, you see these stories, but can you understand the real life behind these stories? Can you imagine being friends with Jesus and he knows your address? He's got a bed upstairs that he's had and he slept there and he's coming eating your breakfast and eating lunch and he's coming and he's, he's, he's had the time where y'all laughing and joking as friends. And when you need him, there's silence. Verse one says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, 
Behold, the, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Didn't say he sent a note back. It said he said it. Didn't say he sent a note back. Verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So it tells you the relationship. He loved him, just like he loves you, who are praying to him in the midst of your sickness and disease. Verse 6 says, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Didn't say he sent a note. Didn't say he said he's coming. Didn't say a word. So all they got on the other side as the man is sick and dying is silence. Silence from Jesus, their friend, whom they love. And as you just said, in five, verse 5, he loves them. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. They're probably like, uh, I don't get this. You are about to be killed and stoned. Uh, why are we going back to Judea? I don't understand. He's not explaining it. But they hear it. They respond in verse, it says verse 11. These things he said, and after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. He didn't explain what he just said. So he just comes out and says, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. They don't understand. He's talking, he's talking eternity. He's talking eternal. He's talking way above the atmosphere. He's in the omniscient, all-knowing land, and they're in the temporal land, like many of us are. He's already told this saying he's going back. He said a couple scriptures there in verses 9 to 10. They haven't really got it because they just said for we're talking about your life and the people trying to stone you, killing you while we're going back. And he's talking about this other stuff with his 12 hours in a day. And then he says, Lazarus is sleeping. Are y'all following it? When he does speak, do they understand what he's saying? No. And you're going to see that. Verse 12. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. They don't get it. Many of us don't get it. Even when God starts to speak, we don't get it. We think we're smart. But if you're not spending time in intercession and asking the Holy Spirit to give you understanding, you're going to be just like our brothers and sisters, disciples here in John 11. Don't act like you're big-headed. Y'all, we all been there. So he, he can sleep and get well. Why do we need to go back to Judea? Y'all know he wanna, they want to stone you. And if they're going to stone you, they're going to throw some rocks at us too. What's going on, Lord? It says here in verse 13. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, they got to, you got to make it plain. 
Lazarus is dead. Now, you know, y'all heard that. You know, disciples hearing that. Uh, he's dead. Uh, we going back to Judea, risk our lives. And our friend Lazarus is dead. Uh, what exactly are we going there for, Lord? All right. Verse 15 says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may, be, we may die with him. They, they realize they're going back. And they're probably going to die because they're going to get stoned to death, just like they were worried about in verse 8. Verse 17 says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. He's dead. He's been in the grave for four days. And y'all know this, but I want y'all to see something else. Christ has just told his disciples what he's going to do. But he's not had a conversation with Mary and Martha. So this will be the first time that they are going to hear from their friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, after they have called and sent a message before the death. So you have to understand, when the silence breaks, the conversation that you're about to see, you're going to see they're coming at him one way. He's coming at them another way. But look at how the exchange happens. Just like when you saw 2 Samuel, David had a plan. Nathan has to come back and tell David, no, this is the divine plan. And here's Mary and Martha. They're in the natural, like all of us are, especially in sickness and disease land. And he's talking supernatural. He's talking omniscient, knowing all, knowing from the beginning of the, the beginning, the middle and the end, the alpha and the omega. He knows it all. So he's coming at them a different way. So when the silence breaks, make sure you're listening with the ears to hear of what the Holy Spirit is going to translate for the eternal things that God wants to speak. So here we go. Verse 18. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha... As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Again, get ready to have their first communication. But Mary was sitting in the house. Verse 21. Now Martha, now she starts talking first. Get that? She didn't wait for him to talk. He's there. Brother's dead. She's coming to talk to him first. Always wait and let the Lord speak. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We all think she said it. So, hi, Jesus. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. No, I think if she's been mourning her brother for days and he's been in the grave for four days, you don't know what kind of emotions was coming out of those words. But she says first to him, if you've been here, where were you? I've talked this before. I talked this before about being a friend to Jesus. If you've been here. He would not have died. But even now, here she goes. But even now, I know. Now that word, I know. Reverend is always talking about it. He talks to people. And the first thing that I know, I know. He'll say something special. I know. You don't have to tell me. I know. And here we have Martha already talking, talking, talking. Christ is there. She should be listening, listening, listening. But she's going to come back and say, if you had been here, Lord, my brother wouldn't have been 
dead. But I know that's what a lot of us, we got to put, we got to crucify the I knows in our life because we don't know. We think we know, but we don't know. He says, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Nothing's wrong with that. She says a good game. She's saying it. She's saying the right words, but she's already, she's saying stuff, but the reality of what she's saying is not really hit her heart. It's up here, but it's not here. And it's not supernaturally where Christ is going to take her. She says here in verse 23, Jesus said to her, this is the first words he says after the silence of getting the note back in the beginning of chapter 11. First things he says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, again, I know. <laughs> Y'all, I know. What she know? What she know? She gonna, what does she know? What, what, what do you know? What you gonna tell Jesus? I know. That's our, I tell you, we got a whole bunch of Christians in these churches, even in these houses right now during the pandemic that think they know more than God. I know. Here she goes, Martha 24. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last days. Jesus said to her, he's talking. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now she done already told her, told him, I know. She, she says she's been spiritual. She's been spiritual a couple times in what she said. Y'all got to read it for yourself. I don't have a lot of time. But like us, we, we talk a big game. But when it comes to sickness and disease and death, what we believe in and what we talking, what talking from here, and it's coming out of here, but it's not really penetrating here, and it sure ain't going up into the atmosphere of the supernatural. But you will see what happens. And... I'm not going to read the whole thing, but take the time to read chapter 11. Because it's a story that you see even from the plans that David had to when we have sickness and disease in our life and we don't get the answers from God like we want, when we want, how we want. And the reality is you can wake up in the natural plane after God delivers you or you can wake up in the supernatural plane. Either way, when you wake up in Christ, you're going to see him. You can see him in the natural every day. But in, if, you, if, if he takes you home to glory, when you wake up, you're going to see all that you've been praying for. You're going to see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to see all the things that you've only had an inkling because we don't know how it's going to be. We can read in the scripture, but the reality is we're going to see him. But he asked this question, do we believe? Do we believe this? And when the silence breaks in some of the things going on in our lives, we got to quiet ourselves down and not tell God all that we know. And we got to admit, God, I have, like that one scripture says, help my unbelief. Help, help my struggle because I'm struggling with this trust thing, God. Hallelujah. I know. God, I'm struggling because I've asked some things on your altar and this silence. But just as Job had to cover his mouth, some of us got to cover our mouth. 
Because we try to tell the creator, the almighty God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, our plans, our wants, heal us, heal them. And God said, you don't know what the divine plan is. You thinking temporary. I'm thinking supernatural. I'm thinking the divine plan. I'm thinking beyond you. I'm thinking about your seed that I'm establishing for the purposes of my kingdom. You thinking about yourself like David was, but God is thinking generations beyond David. And some of us are thinking about ourselves, but we have to think about what is God doing for his divine plan? And maybe we just were in the earth for such, such a time as this, but it's our seed behind us that God's going to do some mighty works. I'm going to leave you with these two scriptures very quickly. Psalms 94 and 94 is going to, 94 and 7 really quickly. 94 and 7 will say, I meant 17, excuse me. 94 and 17. Unless the Lord had been my help. That's what all of us are looking for right now in the pandemic. We need help. We need help to settle us down. We need help for us not to fear. We need help in the, the daily bread. We need help in the different ways that God and only God can do. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's not aware of everything going on in your life. Just because you don't hear in the way you're hearing doesn't mean that God's not fully aware. Like Daniel prayed in 21 days, the enemy's got some stuff going on, saints. Pray and believe, trust. But this scripture says, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. But God is your help. The last scripture is going to be in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, and we'll end with this. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, hope saints, to give you a future and a hope. All our future won't be here. Eternity is not going to be here on the earth. The future and hope is to be with Christ in heaven, to that prepared place that he says, I've gone to prepare a place that where I am, you will be also. Verse 12 says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's my prayer of hope that even in the midst of a pandemic, that we as Christians that know who God is, we think we know. As we get to learn of his word, as we get to listen to the spirit who's whispering to us, who's guiding us, who's teaching us, who's having us to point to Christ every day. That's hopeful. It's a lot of death going on. It's a lot of tragedy going on. It's a lot of things that make us keep our heads down. But if we have hope in God and trust in God, we know that he's going to make a way and he's there on the throne and there's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing impossible for God and glory to God. Jesus Christ has come and he has the victory. That's something for us to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, saints and Lord willing. I'll see you next week.